0: Hello and welcome back to Not a Perfect Parent, the podcast where we share the extraordinary wisdom of ordinary parents. Today, I'm so happy to be speaking to Laura. Laura is mum to Joy, who's two. She's a hormonal mindset coach and the creator of a real collaborative hub for women in business, which is the Get Shit Done Club. We talk pregnancy, the amazing fierceness of daughters, and very importantly, the working mum juggle. Hi Laura.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: Thanks so much for being on Not a Perfect Parent.
1: You're so welcome. We might be here a while.
0: (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit about your parenting journey so far?
1: Yeah, so I always feel the need to explain that my daughter Joy it took a long time for her, for us to to have her, so we had some kind of fertility issues, and it was when I and I, I was pregnant. We were so shocked because we were just kind of on the cusp of going for IVF treatment. So it was kind of like the best thing that's ever happened, followed by like the most poorly that I've ever been. So I had high premises gravidarum, which is like the extreme morning sickness princess case, I suffered with. So. I always feel like it was such a magical time and then it was also the hardest time. And I think that basically sums up my parenting journey that it is just the most amazing thing. And it's also like the hardest thing. So Joy was born in November, 2021. And she was was a little bit early and we were going through a bit of a COVID drama. My husband had had to isolate from me and it was all very intense when Joy was born. And then she arrived and it was just like everything, just everything was as it should be like, all was well with the world for like that first 24 hours. And then after that, it was so hard and we had a lot of challenges feeding, breastfeeding. She was was quite small when she was born, so she was five and a half pounds. So right from the start it was it was you know it was just really challenging and you know I know a lot of people have bigger challenges than that and you know we we were very lucky she was she was born healthy and that was great but it's like I think every challenge with being a parent you feel like it's the worst thing in the world it's the biggest thing in the world and it's only you that's going through it so that's been a bit of a theme as well I think that you know she's nearly two now and she hates food she doesn't like to sleep and you think it's, again, you think it's just your child that does that.
0: And uh, actually, it's probably not the case. When you said it's it's magical and it's so hard, my heart was just like, yes. <laughs> like, that's exactly, I so resonate with that. And I think so many parents will, especially when our kids are so small, because there's so much magic and awe in the world and so much demand as well. Yeah. what were your kind of expectations when you were pregnant with joy was that how you expected it to be or did it come as a shock that mix of emotions
1: I actually this might sound a bit strange but I expected that I would have like postnatal depression I expected it would be very difficult and I remember kind of putting plans in place, like you know, I'm going to make sure that I get out for a walk every day when she's really small, and I'm going to try and get to like a few mom and baby groups just so that we're we're out and we're socialized. And I remember putting a lot of things in place because I expected it to be really challenging for my mental health. And actually, I didn't, I didn't have postnatal depression, so you know that was that was good, but. I think we struggled in so many other ways. Oh, gosh, I don't even know where to start. Like, yeah, the, the breastfeeding and the, the putting weight on. And then is she eating enough? Is she eating too much? Should she be sleeping more? And I think one thing I didn't expect was the amount of self doubt that can creep in sometimes. Because you literally question every single decision that you make. And I think you compare yourself you know it's the easy thing to do isn't it when there are other parents with small children and not so much like the child's development but the child's child's needs should I be meeting my child's needs in this way should I be doing that and you know what's the best way to get them to sleep and am I making the right decision or making the wrong decision it was I never expected the, the comparison latest to be such a big thing and the the weight of expectation that I actually put on myself. Although I, I thought I would have postnatal depression, I also thought that I would thrive in motherhood. And actually, I have not sleep deprived for almost two years. And it's just, I don't think it's anything that I imagined it to be, but it's also everything that you know it will be. And it's, that doesn't really make sense.
0: Not really making sense, and it does, but not really making sense, as you've said, is what parenting is maybe that's it that's
1: what parenting is it's not making sense
0: (laughs) yeah because it is this incredible amazing thing and we have sometimes an imbalance in the conversation where that's the bit that we we talk about and not the rest and that can kind of be quite isolating because so many of us different challenges but so many of us are going through some kind of challenge or will do did you feel like the support was there?
1: Um, that's, that's really hard, actually, because when I think now about all of the,
0: you know, the, the
1: worries that I have about Joy, you know, I'm, I still worry about her sleep. I still worry about her food. I worry about everything that you possibly could worry about when it comes to your child. Actually, I don't know what support we would even take for that. You know, we've got family support and that's great. But in terms of... Support really, because I know that really Joy's fine. Like she's, I I don't need to worry, and the worrying is more of a reflection of me than her. So I think the greatest support that we need is just other parents dropping this facade that everything's perfect and you know everything's going well, and you know children are sleeping through the night, or you know things are going really well with this, or they're hitting all their milestones. Not one per parent is perfect, but equally, no children are perfect, neither. Obviously, in our own, at least they are. But actually, like no child is going to get absolutely everything spot on. They're not going to sleep through the night, eat their healthy meals, snack on, like, carrot sticks and almost. They're not going to, you know, learn to read or have a, an older reading age. and They're not going to do all of those things. So why are we worrying when they don't? And that's probably my biggest thing is the support that I need or I feel like we need is to help us accept that things just trundle along when you're a parent and then you look back and it's kind of like, oh, right, okay, that's happened now and it's all fine. I guess everyone needs that support of you're doing all right. Joy's fine. She's healthy. She's happy. That's all you need. It doesn't, nothing else really matters. It's all just detail. 100%
0: and as you were saying that I remembered that my my son didn't walk until after his second birthday he bum shuffled and (laughs) just walked immediately after his second birthday but if I were to go by the books you know I'd be really concerned and we had professionals around us who were kind of concerned and I knew he just wasn't motivated and I think that taught me that like you say there's milestones in the time frames that they're given but There's also children who are as different as adults are to each other. So sometimes that pressure, you know, he didn't have an issue in the end with his mobility, but I could have panicked about that for at least six months, which wouldn't have been useful for any of us and wouldn't have changed the outcome, I don't think. So I suppose, where do you think that pressure comes from for us all to to say everything's wonderful all the time?
1: it's funny isn't it because like i I, when you were speaking then i was thinking about i remember being so i just wanted joy to sit up on her own so much that was like i was so excited for that moment to have my little girl sitting up like a little sturdy baby and then she did it and i loved it and it was amazing but then i was kind of like okay what's next Oh, okay it's crawling I remember feeling that and noticing that that shift was happening in my mind. And I thought, God, that's such a shame. And at the time, I was kind of like, why am I onto the next thing, Onto the next thing? Why can't I just appreciate that she can sit up and it's very cute and, you know, I'm really proud of her. And I did, I did really, I loved it. It was such a memorable, like, milestone. But I think that's the issue. I think a lot of the milestones that we set for children are, based on like developmental physical norms as opposed to, for me, the milestone of sitting up was just because I knew how like cute she would look because she's quite small and I just thought, oh, she's going to look like a little teddy bear sitting up and I can't wait for that. So to then have that overshadowed by, okay, well, the next next official milestone, if you like, is crawling, it's a bit of a shame, isn't it? And I think a lot of that does just come from the developmental norms and i use that you know quotation marks that children should be doing this by this age because you know that's the norm for their age and it's a shame isn't it that we put our expectation on on them joy didn't know that uh, you know four months old she should be getting close to sitting off joy didn't know that at 10 months she should be crawling or at one year she should be walking she didn't know any of that she just did it and she had freedom from expectation which is something that parents don't have like you say they they do it and the outcome is pretty much the same most of the time
0: yeah sometimes other people's expectations don't fit the different shapes of our children and ourselves as parents as well yeah do you think we've got as many expectations on ourselves you said there's quite a heavy weight on the way I that think, we are. Yeah, I think that, you know, the
1: expectations that we have of our children are really a, an expectation of us as parents. And I'm not saying that that's the case, but I think that's how I feel. Like, it's a reflection of me if, you know, Joy isn't sleeping through the night, or it's a reflection of my parenting. Um, and I think I know that if anyone says to me, that their child doesn't sleep through the night I have like total sympathy and empathy I never stop to think oh well, what are you doing wrong or what's wrong with your child but equally it's something that I panic about and think what is it what what can I do because that's what we want as parents don't we you know we want our children to be happy and to be healthy and if I think if there's anything that's a threat to that such as a poor night's sleep we you know we want to fix that but the the danger is we do start to just blame ourselves and add weight to those expectations. And by not kind of being honest and articulating what what we're struggling through in terms of the mental load, that can often lead to, you know, more expectations being put on us from society because everyone thinks that everyone's
0: doing really well and no one actually talks about the fact that it's so hard. Mm -hmm. And it takes a kind of bravery doesn't it and I know that you do this a lot in your work is somebody has to be the first person don't they to say actually this is a struggle and then have you is your experience that that's created connection because people have come to you haven't they what seeing that honesty and seeing that authenticity I think it's so refreshing for us all in a social media world
1: yeah I think I I, I do I think like you know if. If one person can be honest and be real, it kind of opens the door for other people to do that. And I've always said that to, you know, raise awareness of my condition, which is, you know, PMDD, to raise awareness of PMDD, I have to talk about it. I have to talk about my lived experience. And I guess that is the same with parents. And we have to be honest. We have to be authentic um and it's really interesting i i've read so many blogs and articles that say um it's very normal for toddlers to sleep through the night and then when we were at the doctors recently my gp was like oh she should be sleeping through the night by now and you're kind of like well which one is it um and so now i'm kind of like you know what i'm just gonna i'm just gonna be honest about this because for some reason this is a really um it's a really loaded issue where there's different schools of thoughts on it so I just kind of have to be honest about my experience with, with my child and and I I think that it won't be just us who, who struggle in that area I think there'll
0: be lots of people who struggle I'm sure and not sleeping has an impact on every part of your life doesn't it, it, it we all know what it feels like not to have slept and then to do that for such an extended period of time it feels like the last thing that's needed is judgment it's 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 support isn't it yeah
1: absolutely I think I can do or I can handle any aspect of parenthood generally um but when I'm sleep deprived everything is harder absolutely everything um and even that the simplest tasks and the most enjoyable times with your child can be more difficult if you you don't have like not just sleep deprivation but long term sleep deprivation. You know, it's it's not that bad that we don't sleep, but for nearly two years we haven't had decent sleep, and that's 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 hard. Absolutely.
0: And you talked about living with PMDD, and it's something that you talk about a lot again in your work how has that impacted your experience as a mom?
1: I think when you're tired
0: it's mentally draining and I
1: think you're more susceptible to the self-deprecation and uh, the questioning yourself and they are also the the symptoms that I experience from PMDD so it's almost like those negative thoughts are coming at me from two angles from my condition but also the sleep deprivation and the sleep deprivation for me also leads to migraines, and I also have menstrual migraines. So again, it's coming at me from two different angles. So it really can start to affect your your well being, your physical and your mental well being when you you're not having the the time to look after yourself. And I always say, if I'm sleep deprived, self care is so important, and not just napping at any given opportunity, but actually taking the time to be on my own and I like to call Jo my little koala baby because she just loves to be on me having that time where I'm not being needed actually is, is really good for my well-being and there was a time when I probably wouldn't have said that but actually now I kind of stand in there and say yeah I love just having time to myself I love that I can just be me I, I don't want my identity to just be parents I want it to be other things as well um, and that for me is self-care
0: yeah and oh as you were saying that I was thinking just before you said I will There was a time I wouldn't have said that I thought there's a time I wouldn't have said that <laughs> but like you now I'm absolutely fine to say actually I need that time because I know what happens if I don't have it and it's not good for anybody it's not good for my children um But I feel like there's something radical about that in some circles. I feel like that discomfort about saying it is because of, is because of a perception of that not being what you should say as a mum.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've definitely had that where I feel guilty for doing, I think especially because I'm self-employed, I always feel like I should either be with joy or I should be working. There's like There's nothing else. And so there's been times where I felt guilty for doing the third option, which is just time for me. And that could look like anything. It could be time with friends. It could be time on my own. It could be getting my hair done. It, It doesn't really matter. But if I'm not earning money or spending precious quality time with my daughter, then that's something to almost be a little bit embarrassed about but i don't I don't have that now, and I really try to not stand in that because I know it's not true, and a big inspiration for me is thinking, well, when joy is older, if she's a parent, then I wouldn't want her to feel like you know she can only do this, and she's only a means to an end out of earning money and being a mom. I never want her to feel like that.
0: Well, I've never thought about it like that before. only a means to an end, yeah. yeah only kind of a a stepping stone for an outcome rather than a yeah fully (laughs) entitled person in your own rights your own experience um, yeah it's funny how we must have absorbed these kind of ideas so Mm. much that it's hard to even articulate them sometimes
1: yeah like you are worthy of time away from being a parent and time from being a you know an employee or, or a working person you you are entitled to that just as much as anyone else And I think when we realise that, it is a little bit of a a lightbulb moment, isn't it, where you kind of go, oh, I can do these things because I can. I don't need permission from anyone but myself. And that's quite, it is empowering.
0: What's been your experience as a a working mum with all the issues that you've talked about navigating that balance?
1: I think we made the decision fairly early on that when I returned to work we wouldn't put joy into formal childcare. we would make use of grandparents on both sides mm-hmm. that was a wonderful it was wonderful for them it was wonderful for her and it, it meant there was a lot of flexibility because I could just say this is what I'm working this week you have this day you have it that day and work brilliantly but over time, I think the lack of structure did feed into that idea of, well, if I'm not working, then I should have joy. Yeah. And then if I did have joy, I'd be thinking, well, I should be working now. We need to earn more money. And so over time, I, I felt like that was really challenging. And I think that further embedded this feeling of, I shouldn't be having time to myself. And so that was a real eye-opener and quite a, a recent realization, really, because Joy has been with a childminder for around six weeks now. And the load of everyone is just so much better. She absolutely adores the childminder. I have more structure and routine, which means my mental well-being is a bit better. But also it means that grandparents don't get to the end of the day and are just absolutely wiped out from chasing around a toddler. So it was wonderful, but it did, I think make it hard for me mentally to balance work and parenting so yeah and I think especially with being self-employed and having the kind of autonomy of my diary I do always feel like it should be me um, who takes joy to doctor's appointments and things like that because it's easier for me to reschedule than for my husband to take time off work and again that's probably been a more recent thing where um recently we had no childcare due to various things going on. And I said to him, I really can't cancel these things that I've got booked into work. I think that's really important. And he had to take annual leave. And um, again, there was a time when I would have hated that so much. Now I'm at a place where I'm kind of like, Well, we have to balance childcare. Like that's that's what we do is as mutual parents. So it's definitely been a journey. Definitely been a yeah. journey.
0: And I'm sure lots of self-employed women with (laughs) little children will resonate with you. And as you were talking about that, I was thinking, yeah, there you are at the bottom of the list. And it's not even that sometimes anybody else has put us there. It's us. Oh, that should be me. Like you said, that should, that must fall to me because my work is less important. But then there's a power, isn't there, in kind of finding those boundaries and going, actually, no, I need... I need this too so when have you like all of us felt like not a perfect parent you spoke into this a little bit
1: you know what springs to mind though is I remember I had made this commitment to myself when Joy was born that we were gonna get out and we were gonna you know make sure that we have things to do every day to keep us busy um, I never really took into account the fact that Joy might hate being in the car. And so when she was kind of, a, you know, probably like around six months old, maybe a little bit older, I was I was really struggling because we could manage for about 10 minutes in the car any longer than that. And we would have an absolute meltdown from her, which of course caused me to have a meltdown. And, and the reality is it, it's not safe to have... A screaming baby in the car it's so distracting and you know I, I remember like a, a journey which should have took like 15 minutes was taking nearly an hour because I kept pulling over and trying her with milk and trying her with like toys trying to entertain her or there were times I remember when we would pull over and I would take her for a walk to get her to sleep so I could put her in the car to take her home and it was taking hours to get home and it was just so exhausting. And I remember thinking like, we're just not gonna be able to go further than 10 minutes, which is a real shame, you know, because where we live, the, the baby groups aren't that close by. And friends, visiting friends was really hard. And I just remember thinking like, we're just gonna have to just not. And I said for a while, I said, I'm not doing it. I'm not putting us through it because it's not fair on joy. But it's also, it's not safe. And I can't have that kind of in my head when I'm trying to drive. And it was a nightmare. And then somebody suggested, why don't you get a tablet for the car? Like an Amazon Fire thing. And I was like, my child is not having a screen to look at. Absolutely no. And then I thought about it. And I kind of thought, well, if it's a means to an end, if it's a resource that improves our, our time together ultimately, So I got her a tablet. I remember being embarrassed. I remember I didn't tell anyone because I remember thinking people will think it's really bad that probably getting on for one by this point, this one year old has a tablet for the car. And even as I say, I think, oh God, that's so ridiculous, Laura, like get over yourself, no one cares. But I think I did. I, I, I thought like this is really bad that she's got a tablet. And I was very strict and said, she's only having it in the car and you know, it stays in the car but it meant that we were able to get out and go to the zoo and we were able to enjoy better times because of that. But at the time, I remember thinking, yeah, I was definitely not a perfect parent during that time, thinking that I've got my toddler, well, my baby, a a tablet and she's going to be addicted to Melon, And so that's probably the time that comes, comes to mind,
0: to be honest. It's interesting, isn't it, that you've chosen that time because that's so much what parenting is, isn't it? It's challenging our own beliefs and going, Mm -hmm. is there another way? Rather than kind of being rigid about, well, no, I think this, so I think it, regardless of what my child needs. I was thinking what a great example of going with the flow of it and you had a great end result, which was important for both of you, it sounds like. It can be really isolating.
1: Yeah, I think... The long-term impact of us not being able to go very far in the car would have been really rubbish, to be honest. And, you know, like again, I know it's not like the end of the world, but it felt like it was such a waste of an opportunity while I was off work or just when I was kind of getting back into work and we wanted to, you know, go to places and things. But yeah, even now, she's nearly two now. And she's okay in the car without the tablet, but nine times out of ten, I've just put the tablet on. Or she's okay if she has somebody sitting in the back with her. She's she's so um she's so funny. She just doesn't like to be on her own in the car. As long as there's somebody with her, or she's got Coco Mel and she's quite happy, which is the main
0: thing. Sounds like it was a good decision to make. Yeah. So, what do you feel like you can celebrate about yourself as a parent? And is it me, or do we not get asked this as much as we get asked what we do wrong? <laughs> or get told what we do wrong
1: (laughs) every question we get asked about our children is is like oh does she do this yet can she do that yet and or you know oh when will you be having another one and it's kind of like that's yeah I don't think I've ever been asked what I'm celebrating as as a parent to the point where that's absolutely just like stumped me but I think (laughs) I am celebrating the fact that Joy is, she continues to surpass my expectations, and I think my advice to anyone who's about to become a parent would just be, whatever your expectations of your child, your child will laugh in the face of them, because... She does. She just does things that you would never expect her to do. She's she's just her own person, and I celebrate that because she's she's wild at times. She's a whirlwind. She is so feisty, and I absolutely love her for that. But she does things that I just think, wow, that's incredible. So recently starting with child minder, as a childminder, and as a lot of parents will know, when you, you start with a childminder or a nursery or school or anything like that, it's a huge change and i remember thinking should we have done it sooner because now she's older she she might understand what's going on too much and get more upset and i had so much anxiety about joy starting with the childminder um, and how she would get on with it and although it was important for me to try it out i was very conscious that it might not work out and we could end up just reverting back to kind of grandparent child care and She absolutely loves it to the point now where when I drop her off, she just like waves at me and walks off. She doesn't like even really say bye. And then when we pick her up, when we picked her up yesterday, she actually cried because she didn't want to leave the childminder. And it's so funny, because I'm kind of like, I never expected that that would be our issue. I expected her to hate it, to be really attached to me. And actually, it's the opposite. And that, for me, is my massive thing to celebrate, that she will always surpass my expectations in ways that I'll never, ever be able to comprehend or imagine. But she just does. And I think I never, ever want to harness that. I always just want her to, you know, just be here and she's definitely her own
0: person so big question um what have you learned in your parenting journey
1: I think oh my goodness so, so much I've learned that I will always just be amazed by joy and I've learned that I guess I'll never really be selfish again I think as a parent sometimes you feel selfish for putting yourself first and actually the, the reality is you will always have a little person in the back of your mind it doesn't matter what you're doing where you are and, and you know there are times when I'm really in the throes of work and then I'll go oh I wonder what Joy's doing now but the reality is she's always there in the back of my mind everything that I do is governed by her and I think that's the biggest learning is that she is like my like without sounding cheesy she's she's my gravity now isn't she she's the thing that keeps my world spinning a little bit too fast sometimes <laughs> um but it's that kind of reality that nothing else isn't too much of a big deal as long as she's okay and I think it helps to, me to keep a sense of perspective actually that you know things can go wrong but as long as joy is okay then
0: nothing really
1: matters that much
0: that's my my learning i think amazing so you're somebody who connects other people and maybe especially women um lots of women who are working mums as well and you are also a mindset coach so you are have those skills and gifts about reframing and bringing ourselves back to balance what helps you in your life navigating those ups and downs the one thing that I will always come back
1: to is I'm very clear on my values Um, my values both kind of in work and also at home and and just in life in general are self-compassion over everything togetherness and no one gets left behind but it's the self-compassion over everything that I remind myself of it more than daily That is the thing for me that when things aren't going right or things are feeling really hard, check your self-compassion because things can be hard, but that's not a ticket to being hard on yourself or a free pass to put yourself down or to put other people down. When I am struggling, if I can kind of check my self-compassion, a lot of my troubles can be reframed in that moment just by being a bit kinder to myself and trying to act out of compassion rather than out of stress or or anything else. So that I think is the the one thing that I would just encourage everyone to do is just to remember self-compassion over everything else and I say over everything else including your children because they need a parent who is is self-compassion they need a parent who looks after themselves and that's so so hard but actually you matter you matter as a parent your health matters your well-being matters and not just because there's somebody depending on you you matter purely because you matter
0: 100 percent. so we could have taken that or any of the other amazing things that you said today but what is your parenting takeaway what do you wish someone had said to you
1: I always remember somebody saying to me you don't know when the last time will be so you don't know when the last time will be that you will give a bottle because it just kind of happens that one day you go to give them a bottle and they don't want it and that's the end of the bottle journey Or you never know when the last time will be that they do wake through the night and just want to cuddle because there will come a time when all of a sudden they just sleep or or they wake up but they don't want to cuddle. You never know when the last time will be that they will do something like really cute, like crawling, for example. Joy doesn't crawl anymore because she walks. And I just wish I'd enjoyed that more rather than thinking now she can crawl. But when will she walk so you never know when the last time will be that they do something so as much as I hate to say this do treasure all of the even the hard times because they are magic they are just absolutely amazing moments and something to be cherished
0: that's amazing I'm gonna take that one away definitely I haven't that's the first time I've heard it put like that um you're amazing It's been so lovely to talk to you. I particularly value your uh, honesty and ability to be raw. It's such a connector, isn't it? And there's such courage in it because there has to be the first person and it gives other people permission. And so many people will identify with so many of the things that you've talked about. So thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Not A Perfect Parent. Come back again next week for the extraordinary wisdom of another ordinary parent. And if you've got a story to share and don't we all get in touch.